Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to uh, this week's edition of Inside the Huddle. I'm Adam Hernandez here this morning with Eric, Robert, Gilson. What's going on, Eric? How you doing? Uh, nothing. I'm making my return. Making I, haven't been, I haven't been here in a while. No, not for Inside the Huddle. You haven't. No. You've been you've been here for uh, Detroit Sports Weekly, and yeah. you've been to you've been to probably more majors lives than, than inside, inside the, the huddle. huddle the past uh, the past maybe month and a half or so. Um, <laughs> anyways, like I said, everybody, welcome to uh, Inside the Huddle. We've got a lot to talk about. Um, what do you know? We just got like eight hundred new viewers just because I'm on again. Oh uh, yeah, sure. Oh, no, not really. Sorry about that. Damn. <laughs> 734-259-4941 is the number to call in. You can text in at our new texting number, 734-273-9982. Or, like always, leave us feedback on our Facebook pages, facebook.com slash themajorsx or facebook.com slash tm. SNX. Uh, we like I said, it's um, y- you know, things have been pretty light the last couple months in terms of uh, in terms of the NFL and in terms of college football. It's been in the offseason. NFL has been locked out, so we really haven't had a whole lot to talk about. Um, however, actually, you know what, Eric? Before we before we move on with anything else, I'm going to throw the fan question out there. Um, and our fan question this week is: How much the NFL season will be lost? Do you think? Um, we're going to go ahead and get to uh, to what we think later on in the show. We're going to take you to about eleven o'clock this morning, um, considering we are still in lockout mode and off-season mode here with college and professional football. Inside the huddle is locked out every other week. Yes, we are locked out every other week. Unlike the bitches, though, in the NFL, we don't completely shut down. So uh, <laughs> we leave the doors open. We leave the doors open. You know, Charlie Batch can come in here and work out whenever he wants. And um, Dominic Sue needs to, and our Sammy Lee Hill needs to stay away from the fridge because we don't have that much. Oh man, that guy probably eats a ton. You remember? Um, did you know, like Sean Rogers before games when he played in Detroit, he would, said he would eat like whole, two whole chickens. Two whole chickens. <laughs> yeah, Sean Rogers did. Yeah. I guess it showed too, didn't it? <laughs> yeah. We went to a training camp that one year, and he was—he couldn't work out. He had to oh, go yeah, run he, with Rod Marinelli. Yeah, that was. Uh, <laughs> oh, poor Sean Ryan. Where's he at? He's out in New Orleans no, now, right? Yeah, yeah. After that, being a good Samaritan in Cleveland. Well, it's too bad now because it's going to be a lot tougher for him to come up to Detroit on the, uh, you know, on the off days there, like he always used to do when he was in Cleveland. You'd see, you'd see Sean Rogers. You'd always like, hear about people seeing. Sean Rogers around there. Autograph signings and stuff. Autograph signings, yeah. So, anyways, though, like I said, how much of the NFL season will be lost? Do you? Th- how much of it do you think will be lost uh, as we uh, move closer and closer to um, to the start, the supposed start of training camp? Training camp, Eric, is actually supposed to start in a July couple twenty second. Yeah, a couple of weeks here. Um, so they've got to hurry up and get something done here. Just so they're really, and I guess there has there has been some delay in terms of the season and the off season, considering, you know, right now we should be in free agency. But we're gonna get to some NFL talking a little bit later. First and foremost, though, we got to start out with uh, with this Ohio State that thing right now. Joke of yesterday. It is a, it is absolute it, it is an absolute complete joke. Um, 
what Ohio State decided to do in terms of their self-imposed, and I put quotation marks. That's like basically saying, sorry. Yeah, really. Uh, Ohio State uh, revealed what those self-imposed sanctions that they're going to you know, impose on themselves, stemming from the whole tattoo thing with Jim Tressel, uh, lying to uh, and withholding information to from the NCAA and Ohio State University about players trading memorabilia from tattoos, and it goes and it goes a lot deeper than that. We we find out that this is something that's been going on in Columbus for quite some time now, and it just doesn't involve car or tattoos. It involves cars. It involves, in some cases, we think uh, maybe women as well, uh, money. Pretty much, you name it, it, it happened down there as far as, you know, what these players got away with. Because, and I said, I said this is something that I said before on, uh, you know, whether it be the Majors Live or this show right here. It seems like Ohio State, the football team down there, totally runs the city of Columbus. Oh, yeah. It's, oh, oh, yeah. It's, it's almost like a like a mob or not a well not like a mob but like a like a mafia type run government down there as far as you know the uh if you're in with the family then you pretty much haven't made if you're in with that ohio state football family ohio then state football players are treated like like nfl players like i was gonna say like gods down there yeah i mean it and you look you look at some i mean you if this is how it is down there, you wonder why anybody would ever leave Ohio State early to go to the NFL draft. Yeah, and then you, then you like going back to how they're the the what they face like with the whole um, money and uh, women and stuff. Would you say when Terrell Pryor didn't come from a very rich family? Did you see his car? Oh yeah, it was, that was like worth more than my house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you. I mean, it's 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 just simply ridiculous. And this is and this is what happened. This is what happened. These were the self-imposed sanctions that Ohio State gave themselves. They um, they will vacate the 2010 Big Ten and Sugar Bowl championships and all other games from last season. I. Uh, and this was in response to the NCAA's notice of allegation stemming from what I just mentioned about the tattoos and the money and the cars. However, there's one there's a couple of important things missing from all of this, Eric. And that is where's the scholarship losses? And where's the postseason bans? I mean what what Ohio State did here was pretty significant. These were major 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 violations and this wasn't the first time it happened i mean the basketball program at ohio state was exactly was already on probation and as we as as the media as everybody started digging deeper and deeper and deeper into this whole ohio state thing more and more started to be revealed as far as players um taking jobs where they didn't have to show up for work yet they still got paid um and then we had that kind of job oh absolutely and (laughs) you know and the reason why ohio state says that they shouldn't 
you know, that they didn't have harsher penalties is because the punishments like the scholarship losses and the postseason bans, they felt that that was more in line with if they actually knew what was going on, if the Ohio State officials actually knew the whole story that was going on. Yet they throw Jim Trestle under the bus here, which it is. A large a large portion of this is Jim Trestle's fault. There's no doubt about that. Oh, uh, Jim Trestle turned out to be a, 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 a true scumbag. Yeah, and it's that, that's not the only problem that's on there. It's the, one of the huge major allegations, too, is the lack of institutional control. Oh, absolutely. And that's... And, and Ohio State officials don't need to know about that. I mean, they felt that Jim Trestle didn't disclose this to them. They didn't know, so they they shouldn't have to pay for that. However, however, Jim Trestle, this isn't the first time when he he's been involved in in uh, in unethical things in terms of college football, in unethical practices in terms of college football. I mean, he was in, he was involved in some pretty shady things while he was at Youngstown State. Oh, yeah. oh yeah. So Ohio State, the officials at Ohio State, whether it be the athletic director, I'm not sure if Gene Smith was there when uh, when Jim Trestle came was began, started coaching there in what 2000? Is that when he first came into Ohio State? I think it is. Yeah, I'm not sure if Gene had 11 seasons at Ohio State. Yeah, I'm not. Sh- I'm not sure if uh, I'm not sure if Gene Smith or or Gordon Gee was there over Redenbacher, but they knew exactly what they were getting into. They knew what could potentially happen if Jim Trestle was their coach at Ohio State, and it did happen. It did happen because they brought in a coach that had a history, that had some baggage in terms of 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 getting himself into trouble with. Uh, with the NCAA and, and taking part in practices that were unethical in terms of college football goes. So, Ohio State should have to pay. They are absolutely responsible for what Jim Trestle did. And it doesn't and it doesn't matter if Jim Trestle had a completely clean record prior to this. Ohio State would still be responsible. This was their guy. This was their head coach at the helm at their program. This is a guy that they decided to put all their you know, all their eggs, and they've decided to put all their eggs in this basket. They put everything that they had into Jim Trestle, and they took that chance on Jim Trestle. And for a long time, it worked out for them. It worked out. You know, they 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 had their way with the Big Ten. Won a national championship. They won a national championship. They went to some they went to some big time bowl games, and then they got caught at the end. And. And, and that's just the way it goes. I mean, any other program that had that w- would go through something like this would have to pay if they didn't know that their head coach was 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 doing what they were doing. Mm-hmm. And to me, it is absolutely ridiculous that Ohio State thinks that they could get away with something like this. It is an absolute joke that they think that they can vacate the 2010 season and all of a sudden all, everything's okay everything's okay are you are you kidding me we so sorry are you abs- are you kidding me they think that they're gonna go and give this to the ncaa and the ncaa is gonna be able to roll with this do you think that if speculation that when they give them this 
or they probably already have. Do you think the NCAA might even give them a harsher penalty oh, for that joke? You know what? Absolutely. Ohio State, they and, and in some ways, they're absolute morons. They are absolute morons because now this is almost this almost looks like a slap in the face to the NCAA, and I hate the NCAA. The NCAA is as dirty as anybody in in college football. Mm-hmm. But they will they're, drop they're, the hammer on you. They they must think that you know the, if I was the NCAA, I would I would think that Ohio State's trying to take me for an idiot. And the the committee on infractions with the NCAA is going to consider these sanctions, and they will meet with Ohio State officials on August twelfth. And from there, the NCAA may very well be like, okay, if that's if that's all you're going to do, then you know what we're going to add more. We're going to add more, and you know we're going to we're going to we're going to take care of this. Why? Because this is already out in the public, and if we don't take care of it right now, the right way. That we're gonna have more and more come down on us, and, no, and you know, you know what? And no, they're not gonna drop the death penalty. No, they're not gonna drop the death penalty on Ohio State. Now, you know, I wouldn't want them to drop the death penalty on Ohio State. And that's another thing too. All the people that hate Ohio State, like Michigan fans, or you know, other like other me. Big Ten fans, I hate Ohio State too. Don't get me wrong, but Michigan fans would be devastated if Ohio State were to go away. Yeah. They may not admit that now, but they would. Ohio be. State and Michigan feed off each other. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. What what was the what was like one of the highest rated games of all time? Sure, it's it's the, it's two thousand seven number one versus number two. Sure, absolutely. Oh. And um, and this is the most storied rivalry in college football. And if you say otherwise, you're wrong. Oh no! It's the uh, it's the Auburn Alabama game, or which is a good rivalry. Don't get me wrong, but it's you know, you could say that Michigan Ohio State is 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 bigger than that. Yeah. Um, but I, I literally these two schools hate each other. Oh yeah, they hate each other just like any other big time rival yeah. would. Yeah, and. Oh man, where I just drew a huge blank. Um, <laughs> But no, if Ohio State was was to go away, almost in a sense that the Big Ten would drop tremendously. It, it, yes, it would, and you know that's and that's another reason why it's not going to go. And you know what? Like the lifeline of the Big Ten is Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, Wisconsin, and now Nebraska. Yes, I agree, and it's because um, those are the those are the flight the head programs. I mean, you might try to consider Iowa, but Iowa, I don't believe, is in like a really prime location. Oh, I, I, I think you, could, you might be able to add Iowa. Iowa's been pretty good for a while now. Yeah. So I would. I, I would I'm just add. thinking about like the fan base. I and, think Ohio. I think Iowa has a pretty big fan base, and I think we're going to see a bigger fan base here since uh, ne- since Nebraska is going to be Nebraska is going to Nebraska and Iowa. I mean, that's going to do wonders for that yeah. rivalry there. I mean, that's going to be. I think that could be that could turn out to be a pretty pretty good rivalry um, here in the, the future. Same, are they in the same? Um, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I'll have to look that up. Yeah, but um, you know, Eric, another thing that I'm kind of surprised here, who's not getting more more um, criticism in all of this, is Jim Nalaney of the Big Ten, the Big Ten commissioner, um, considering he was the one that was going up to bat for Ohio State when you know during the Sugar Bowl when they wanted you know Terrell Pryor and the rest of the tattoo um, players 
you know, when they wanted them to play. And I think Jim Delaney should be getting a lot more criticism than what he is actually getting right now. Um, Iowa and Nebraska are in the Legends division. Well, there you go. Same as Michigan and Michigan State, Minnesota and Northwestern. Well, there you go. Um, and it was 734-259-4941 is the number to call later. You can text it at 734-273-9982. Um, there's also something else that came out, which... I'm not. I'm not totally surprised by Eric, and that's. Uh, I just. I saw a little clip of that last night, and I was so. Dead. The Gene Smith. Yeah, I was so dead tired. I didn't pay attention. I. I mean, it's. It's not something like I said. It's not something that totally surprised me, and that's Gene Smith came out and said that he actually asked uh, Jim Tressel to resign, and, you know, it's. It's it like I said. It's not something that surprises me, and I guess the thing that surprises me most about this, if anything, is Jim Tressel wouldn't step down himself. But you know what? As things turn out, it turns out that Jim Tressel was a huge, huge scumbag. Yeah, he, he was. I mean, it. And when you look back he was on, on things, of course, for being the best Big Ten coach of all time. Yeah, and like I said, you look back on things now. And it's it's something that um, I get, it doesn't surprise me that Jim Trussell wouldn't step down in this. It, it you know, and that Gene Smith had to ask him to step down. Um, and I'm getting this actually from CollegeFootballTalk.com. Uh, and this says on May 18th, Ohio State athletic director Gene Smith was quoted as saying his embattled head football coach still had his full faith and backing. Oh, definitely no question, Smith said when asked at the Big Ten meetings in Chicago if he still supported his football coach. I haven't changed. I haven't changed. Nearly two weeks later, Jim Trestle stepped down as the Buckeyes coach amid reports that he was encouraged to resign by unnamed individuals for the good of the program. As it turns out, Smith himself was one of those unnamed individuals. During an interview with the Columbus Dispatch's Bill Rabinowitz, Ahead of his school's response to the NCAA's notice of allegations, acknowledged for the first time that he asked the longtime head coach to step down the day before he officially resigned and that his support had wavered long before that day came. Uh, Smith would not answer questions directly related to the NCAA case, but he did acknowledge for the first time that on May 29th, he asked Jim Tressel to resign as football coach. Tressel stepped down the next day. OSU officials publicly supported Trestle long after the revelation in March that he had failed to forward to anyone at the university emails warning him that players had sold memorabilia and received tattoo discounts, an NCAA violation, but Smith admitted that his support had wavered long before he had asked for Trestle's reg- resignation. Asked if that meant weeks or days, Trestle or Smith replied, days. So... Again, this is this is all this is all great too. Considering that you look back at the that first press conference that was uh, that was uh, given after all the tattoo stuff came out, where uh, Gordon Gee went up to the podium and said, "I oh I uh, you know we uh, we I just I just hope uh, Jim Trussell doesn't fire me. You know he's he's our coach, and now all of a sudden." Things have completely turned around where they're putting everything on Jim Trussell now. So, 
Ohio State is coming out of this looking like complete tools. And if you ask me, I think eventually down the line, maybe within the next year, you're going to see Gene Smith and Gordon Gee have to step down from Ohio State as well. That's my own personal prediction there. Uh, another prediction. Um, what do you think the NCAA is going to drop on Ohio State? I think we are going to see a one-year bowl ban, and we're going to see some loss of scholarships here. Probably for uh, – you're going to see the one-year bowl ban. They're, they're not going to be able to go to a bowl game this season. Uh-huh. Um, next year we're going to see the loss of scholarships when they start re- – well, yeah. when they start doing more recruiting mm-hmm. for the up or the following seasons here. So – uh, I don't know. What do you think? I think it's going to be... Do you think it's going to be something worse than that? Yeah, I think it's going to be a two-year bull ban. Two-year bull ban? This year, just because it's like... And then the next year. And then, um, especially with the with the joke of a self-imposed sanctions. And I think it's going to be a... They're going to be dropped down to 15 scholarships. You could be right. Season. You could you could be abs- you could be absolutely right in that, Eric. And Because it's, I think it's just going to be as bad as the... Um, uh, USC violation or um, the what they put on USC. And it, and it could be, and they and they certainly do deserve every. They certainly deserve every little bit that USC got. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I just I, I I just don't know. I think, like I said, I think I think things might be relative, somewhat lighter on Ohio State because it seems like Ohio State gets away with a lot. Um, but you look at what USC got, and Ohio State could certainly get every bit that USC got, especially considering what, uh, like you said, what of what a joke uh, the self-imposed sanctions that Ohio State handed down on themselves actually are. Um, other than that, though, Air, we've got another um, set of uh, disciplinary actions given to another program in college football. A kind of football program that this state kind of knows. They, they kind of know. I mean, Michigan fans certainly know it somewhat. Uh, it's West this Virginia. Is, yeah, West Virginia. The NCAA places West Virginia on a two-year probationary period. Um, the NCAA said Friday it it has accepted West Virginia's self-imposed sanctions that include two years probation for major rules violations under former coaches Rich Rodriguez and Bill Stewart. Now, the report by the NCAA Infractions Committee said three failure to monitor violations occurred involving out-of-state or out-of-season coaching and the use of non-coaching staff to work with players. Now, under the sanctions released Friday, the Mountaineers will lose a scholarship for the upcoming season and have recruiting restrictions and staff reductions. The probation doesn't include post or doesn't include postseason play. Um. I'm pleased that the committee, this comes from Yahoo Sports, I'm pleased that the committee accepted the self-imposed sanction penalties the university proposed without imposing any additional ones, West Virginia Athletic Director Oliver Luck said in a statement. The university has already taken corrective action and put new systems in place to address all the issues raised. Now you got to hand it to West Virginia in this case. Because they went on, and they it seems like they gave themselves... Um... A, a, a much more stricter penalty than what Ohio State gave themselves. 
And what Ohio State did was far more worse than uh, yeah. than what West Virginia did. But that failure to monitor, um, that was what Rich Rodriguez got in trouble for at uh, at Michigan. Yep. Is that correct? So um, We practiced too hard. They practiced too hard and... Yeah, <laughs> I mean it's um, we worked out too much, but <laughs> um, sorry, sorry. What did Michigan end up getting, giving themselves? Do you remember what they gave themselves? Um, oh, they gave themselves um, they dropped off uh, like staff. I I can't remember what the actual term was, but they lose scholarships too. I think they lost a couple, but nothing big. But um. Yeah, but when you lose staff, you're really losing like graduate assistants. You're not losing like yeah, coaches. you're not you're not you're not losing a whole lot. Um, so I mean, but, like, like the Michigan thing wasn't that big. It was it was big around here. It was, but in all like in huge size in like it wasn't like a major violation. It was well, there were violations, and it the was, big thing—the big thing about those violations—is who it happened to. It happened to Michigan, who seemed to have run a pretty clean program, yeah. Um, you know, throughout its history. I mean, you never really saw Michigan getting in too much trouble mm-hmm. for anything. And if they did, if they did come under some violations, they were very, very, very minor. Um, these were probably the biggest violations that Michigan yeah. has had in a long time. Uh, most of their stuff came with uh, with off the f- sometimes off the field troubles. With some of their players. Or some of their coaches getting drunk at restaurants and embarrassing themselves, like <laughs> Gary Moeller did. Uh, but um, again, this was this was another thing too. I mean, you know, I'm not I'm not so sure how much uh, how much information Michigan had before they hired Rich Rodriguez. Um, but I still say that Rich Rod hire was a panic move. I think it was a panic move too. Um, it Bill Martin, that was that was. You know, I don't. I don't necessarily know if it was a panic move for uh, Michigan. I think it was. Uh, I don't give a shit move by uh, by um, Bill, Martin. Bill Martin, considering he was going to be stepping down and he was leaving, and he didn't care. He just wanted to get a coach in there. He heard fans screaming about the spread offense, so okay, I'm going to go out and get a. Uh, I'm going to go out and get Rich Rodriguez because he's a spread offense type of guy, and just throw him in there. And he had, and he and he had and he had success at West Virginia. I think that's what happened. Then Mr. Pizza came in. Yep. Then uh, Mr. Pizza came in, and um, he didn't like what was going on. Didn't like what was going on. Exactly. <laughs> um, other than that, though, Eric, we're going to go ahead and take uh, take a quick commercial break. This is Inside the Huddle on the Majors.net. We'll be right back. was a boy wizard whose name was Larry Smarter. Larry, why weren't you in Professor Dinky Doodle's mythical creature classification class? Well, I'm taking Algebra 2 in a foreign language. Oh, so you can talk to unicorns? <laughs> uh, exactly. Unless they're French. Larry wanted to go to college, so he visited knowhowtogo.org to find the classes he really needed. Getting into college doesn't happen magically. Learn more at knowhowtogo.org. Brought to you by the American Council on Education, Lumina Foundation for Education, and the Ad Council. My sport is football, but my passion is education. My name is Namdi Asmoa, and this is how I live united. I see too many kids miss out on moving up, 
kids who could go on to college but just need that extra little push. So every year, I take promising high school students on a college tour. We check out the dorms, the library, meet some professors, find out where the best late night grub stops are. It shows them that there's a whole world beyond their own. But what's even better is that most of these kids decide college is for them. I'm Namdi Asmoa. I show kids that a higher education means a brighter future. So when it comes to Living United, I don't just wear the shirt. I live it. Join me. It takes all of us working together to make a difference. Find out how you can live united for education. Give. Advocate. Volunteer. Go to liveunited.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. I'm Sarah. I'm Ellen. One night, I was at a bar. One night, I was at a bar. I had one too many drinks. I had one too many drinks. I got behind the wheel. I got a cab. A squirrel ran across the road. A squirrel ran across the road. I swerved. The cab swerved. I hit a guy. The cabbie just missed a guy. I wish I took a cab. Thank goodness I took a cab. You have the choice to save a life. Buzzed driving is drunk driving. Brought to you by the Department of Transportation and the Ad Council. This is Adam Hernandez with a Majors update. Yao Ming, the seven foot six top overall pick by Houston in the 2002 draft, and one of the pivotal figures in the globalization of the NBA, has decided to retire. Two sources told SI.com. News of Yao's retirement was first reported by Yahoo Sports' Adrian Wojnarowski. The 30-year-old center had his career derailed over the last two years due to an injury in his left foot and ankle. He missed the entire 2009-10 season, recovering from surgery to repair a broken bone in the foot and played just five games last season after suffering a stress fracture in his ankle. Derek Jeter's chances to get his 3,000th hit at Yankee Stadium dwindled Friday night when New York's game against Tampa was rained out and the teams tangled on a makeup date. The postponement left him two hits shy of the milestone with two games remaining on the homestand. The Yankees said they didn't want to play a traditional doubleheader Saturday. General Manager Brian Cashman gave a sufficient answer on why not Gate, he said, instead of the Yankees proposed a day-night doubleheader, the Rays voted that down, and the sides finally agreed on a September 27th, a mutual day, or September 22nd, a mutual day that followed a two-game series between the teams in New York. David Ortiz connected on a big swing early, then missed with a flurry of late ones. Big Pape hit a three-run homer as the Boston Red Sox scored eight times in the first inning of a 10-3 win over Baltimore on Friday night. In the eighth, he whiffed on a few punches during a bench-clearing brawl with Orioles reliever Kevin Gregg. Ortiz and Gregg exchanged several wild punches, both coming close but not quite connecting, and what could have and what could have turned into an even uglier scene as the benches and bullpens cleared for the second time in the inning. I think you show them that we're not backing down. We're not scared of them and their $180 million payroll, said Greg, who angered Ortiz with back-to-back inside pitches. We don't care. We're here to play the game. We have just as much right to play the game here, and we're going to do it. Every- we're going to do everything we can to win. Greg said he yelled at Ortiz for not running toward his first 
running towards first on a pop-out, which apparently enraged Ortiz. Greg, whose team was not about to lose its fifth straight in another blowout, was ready when Big Poppy charged. I was actually watching the ball, and then you look down, and there's two humongous guys going at it, Boston second baseman Dustin Pedroia. In that situation, you just try to support your teammates, and you try to break it up. That's pretty much it. Plate umpire Mark Estabrook immediately ejected Greg when he started shouting, and Ortiz quickly changed course, charging toward the mound. Greg and Ortiz each threw a few haymakers, but the heavyweight bout was swallowed up by the mass of players rushing onto the field. For more, check out themajors.net. In the meantime, we'll get back to Inside the Huddle on themajors.net. I am Adam Hernandez. Welcome back, everybody, inside the huddle on the majors.net. 734-259-4941 is the number to call in. You can text at 734-273-9982. Um, we're going to move on to some NFL stuff for our last 20 minutes here. Um, NFL lockout still ongoing right now. It seems like sides are making progress towards an agreement on a new collective bargaining agreement that has been hampering this uh, this offseason, this NFL offseason, and putting some doubt into uh, getting the season started on time. Um, lockout has been going on since, I believe, March of this year. Um, back, though, um, back in April, though, there was a decision made by U.S. District Court Judge Susan Richard Nelson um, where she ruled that the lockout should be lifted because players were suffering irreparable harm uh the peers and what actually happened from there on out is the nfl took this took this lifting to an appeals court and uh and the appeals court came down on a ruling just the other day the eighth u.s circuit court of appeals on friday threw out a judge's order lifting the nfl lockout handing the league a victory as players and owners spent another day negotiating now I think the headline in all this makes makes it seem like this is a huge, huge thing that happened here. Now, back when uh, back when this original ruling was handed down by Judge Susan Richard Nelson on April 25th, it was expected. We expected the court at this time to side with the players and have that lockout be lifted. Now, when that lockout was lifted, again, fans knew that nothing really was going to happen from that. There still was no CBA agreed upon. Um, The only thing that could have happened then was the owners would have had to uh, let players go and work out of the facilities. And eventually there would have had to have be some type of temporary collective bargaining agreement agreed upon in order for a somewhat makeshift free agency to start. That never did happen, and again, it wasn't something that everybody expected to happen. Everybody expected, you know, pretty much the lockout to go on as uh, as expected. 
And again, everybody knew that the that the NFL was going to send this to the appeals court, and we knew that the appeals court would eventually back the owners and back the NFL and all of this. Again, this is all this is all uh, you know business as usual in terms of the lockout. Um, what's more important in all of this, though, is owners and players are still talking. They're still talking, trying to get something done. And like I said at the top of the show, it seems like we are somewhat close in all of this. Uh, the NFL came out the other day and said that they're looking to have a deal in place on a new collective bargaining agreement sometime next week. And like you said, Eric, uh, the start of the uh, the start of the uh, training camp, actual training camp. These aren't mini caps or anything like that. This is actual training camp. is supposed to start July in a couple 20, of weeks. July twenty second. July twenty second. So it's 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 getting down to crunch time right now for the NFL and its players, and to get something done, in order for there in order for there not to be any significant type of delay to the beginning of the season. Because if there is a significant delay to training camp, that's going to end up delaying the start of the season. Players still need to train. They still need to meet with the coaches. The coaches still need to watch their players perform and work out for them to make decisions on whether or not, okay, what direction do we want to go with our offensive line or our defensive line or wide receivers or running backs or quarterbacks. So... um, Again, uh, we go back to our we go back to our fan question now. How much of the NFL season will be lost? We kept on hearing reports the last couple weeks that things are close, things are close, things are close. Then we started hearing conflicting reports saying that uh, lawyers had to be brought back in during these uh, talks to kind of separate the the owners and the players. That things were talks were sometimes moving in the opposite direction of what we wanted. So still, I mean, fans in the media is still in a little bit of a, uh, they're still kind of in the dark in all of this. I mean, because we, I, and, and to be fair though, we've, I think we've heard more good the last couple weeks than what we've heard than, than bad. I mean, we've heard more good things coming out of these talks than bad things. So I still believe that we're going to have something done here within the next couple of weeks. I think that training camp will get started on time. And if it is delayed, it's only going to be delayed by a couple of days that and it, you know, that won't have any effect on the beginning of the season. Yeah, I think if it's not done by training camp, they're going to start like not panicking but pushing harder to get it done. I think they're already pushing hard right now. I mean like harder than they are now. Like to the point where it's like, all right, we got to get this done now. Sure. And it's... Uh, And not only that, I think the NFL would begin to get more pressure, not only from, you know, the brass within the NFL, but they would start getting pressured from the networks as well. They would start getting pressure from from NBC. They would start getting pressure from ESPN um, about getting a deal done so it doesn't affect their revenue over at these networks. You'll start here. I think you'll start hearing from a lot of sponsors as well pressuring the NFL to get something done so nothing uh, so nothing hurts their sponsorship so it's uh, you know it's it's something that uh, you know that that's gone on long enough 
It has certainly gone on long enough right now, and when something does get done, things are going to be absolutely crazy. I, imagine I'm what, gonna cry. Imagine what free agency is gonna be like once it gets started, because free agency should be going on. It should have been going on all along these last few months, and it hasn't. So once that gets done, once a new collective bargaining agreement is in place. Eric, imagine what free agency is going to be like. Imagine what awesome. some. Of, imagine what some of these teams are going to be doing when they go out there and they're finally gonna and they're finally going to be able to spend some money. They're going to go offer Terrell Pryor a new car and a bunch of hookers. Oh, oh wait a minute. <laughs> um, when you look at that, I'm gonna. You look at two possible at two possible players. You look at Plexico Burris and you look at Nandi Asamoah. Now. Plexico Burrs, it seems like the big it seems like a team that might fit him the most, and a team that he knows may fit him the most or the best, is the Philadelphia Eagles. What was that quote that he said the other day, Eric, that he uh, that he came out with? Um I see myself playing for Philly or Houston. I or somebody imagine myself playing for Philly. I think he is gonna go to Philly. I think he fits good in Philly, considering they have Michael Vick there. A player that spent considerable amount of time and well, not too much time in jail, Philly but he's going to make a nice run. They are going to make a nice run. They have they have Michael Vick there, like I said, who who went to jail. There was a lot of doubt on whether or not he was going to be able to come back and still play at a high level. And when he did come back, he is better than what he was before he went into jail. It's all those laps in the yard. <laughs> but I think he is uh, he is one player there that could really kind of mentor. Plexico Burris and really help him get back on track and get back to the uh, and get back to playing at a high level that what he was prior to uh, when he went to jail. Um, you also look at a guy like Nandi Asamoah. We we've said it before on Detroit Sports Weekly that Nandi Asamoah isn't going to the Lions, and and it really wouldn't be responsible responsible of the Lions to sign Nandi Asamoah considering the amount of holes that they have. Now, Eric, in your own opinion, where do you see Nandi Asamoah potentially going in the NFL? Um, let's see. Philly's probably the best option. Um, there's been talk. There's talked about every team, but the main teams I hear talked about is Philly, Houston, Houston Dallas. I hear a lot of talk from Green Bay. I hear a lot of talk from Green Bay too, especially what Charles Woodson said. When he would um, be willing to move to safety, he'd be, he'd be willing to move to safety. And can you imagine that backfield or that secondary for uh, for no. Green Bay if they have not? I have I have nightmares about that. <laughs> I mean, that might be the perfect solution to uh, to uh, Kelvin Johnson out there. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean that would something like that would totally shut down. Calvin Johnson in Detroit because and Calvin might be the first time you've ever heard that. Yes, because Calvin Johnson is the best wide receiver in the NFC North, without a doubt. He's top top. I would be willing to argue he's top three in the NFL. You're gonna go ahead and say Andrew Johnson, Andre, Calvin Johnson, and Roddy White. Are you like Roddy White that much? Yeah, I think Roddy White's amazing. No, I think he's I think he's a good wide receiver. Uh. 
Yeah, I guess I guess that works. Let me see. I'm trying to think of who else we have. I mean, a lot of the names we think of is like Randy Moss. Yeah, they're all old. They're, they're getting older. They're getting older. Um, yeah, I mean, Braylon drops too many balls. Ah, uh, Vincent Jackson. You never know if he's going to play or not. Vincent ja- I don't like Vincent Jackson. Not at all. He was Philip Raver. Philip Rivers made Vincent Jackson. Um. Yeah, I mean, Roddy White is—he's a stud wide receiver. Yeah. He's got a great quarterback throwing to him too. He does. So yeah, I can—I can give you Roddy White. I could definitely give you Roddy White. I mean, it, it, can you name anyone that would be place? It would be better placed in that top three. Uh, oh, Larry Fitzgerald. Oh, Larry Fitzgerald. Larry Fitzgerald's another good one. And, yeah, I—I I, I could, I could, I could go. I, I mean, you could make your arguments against Roddy White, but I mean, it's it's pretty solid, you know, naming him as a top three. Uh, but yeah, I, I could I I think Nandi Asamoah Green Bay definitely makes sense. I mean, Green Bay's a winner. Um, he'd be able to play right along there in the in, in the secondary with uh, with Charles Woodson, which is going to make Nandi Asamoah better too. They would take three fourths that back. They would take three fourths of the field away. You'd have like a tiny little like quarter size hole to throw into. Oh, sure. And Green Bay is going to once again contend for the Super Bowl. So, if they get if they were to get Nandi Asamoah, they would be the odds on favorite to win. And I think that they're already a favorite team to win. No, next I'm talking about like if they're they, the team to it, beat out of the entire NFL. Yeah. They would be like say they're a 10 to 1 winning, they would move down to like a 5 to 1. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I I, I think I think Green Bay definitely makes sense for Nandi Asamoah. Um, I, I do think though that he is going to go to a team that has a shot at making some at making some at making some strides in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Why? Because that's I think that's a big big thing for him. Of well, course, it's going to be it's going to be him um, getting paid, but I think he's going to want to go and play for a team. Another that can team be I forgot to mention is the New York Jets. Ooh, playing with uh, Darrell Revis. They're looking like they're going to cut ties with Antonio Clamardi. So think about that. Yeah, that would, be, that would be pretty awesome, too. That would definitely the be The two awesome. best corners in the league playing side-by-side. Side. Yeah, that would be... That would be, uh, that'd be tough for Tom Brady, wouldn't it? <laughs> I, I think, I think uh, uh, Rex Ryan would get another fetish. Oh, yeah. I mean, you could have the foot fetish, you could have the food fetish, and then you could... Uh, Add the cornerback fetish to that to that mix there, but, mm. <laughs> um, but uh, you know what though, Eric? What would be uh, what would be what's this off season missing besides free agency? Trades like the whole excitement of you like you gain reports from camp. It's it's the whole excitement. Like you you can feel it coming. Like it's getting close. Where on like ESPN, you start seeing all that stuff come up. You know what I mean? Like training camps right around the corner. I'm talking about Brett Favre potentially coming back to the NFL. Oh, oh, <laughs> oh! Um, Good old Brett, 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 Brett. I yeah, haven't seen this, little Brett. Yeah, this is. Uh, yeah, we have. You, you've seen him too, haven't you? No, I didn't look. You didn't, you didn't see on Deadspin? No, I didn't look. Well. 
Um, this was this was actually a very very small 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 report. Oh, about him thinking he'd come back. Well, he I was like I, a backup quarterback. I didn't even think. It, I don't think it was Brett Favre saying that he would be that he would be coming back. Um, this was a report, I believe, that came out through FoxSports.net, uh, where a former team executive thinks that Favre's career might not be over just yet. Um, this came from Gil Brandt. Um, I do think Favre would be interested in talking to a team about returning, but I don't see a team out there right now that would bring him back as a starter. Um, Brandt also said it's awfully hard for Favre to go to a team and be a backup. The, Viking, the Vikings must start Christian Ponder this season to get him some experience, <coughs> and they're not going to get Favre in there to babysit for Ponder. Uh <laughs> Why? After like, after everything that Brett Favre put NFL fans through, I don't think it's totally out of the question just yet. I think the season, the ne- the next season actually has to start. I'm talking regular season has to start, and we have to get a couple of games in before we could finally put this whole Brett Favre thing to bed for good. Because you're always going to hear rumors out there that, oh, Brett Favre's working out at some high school down in Mississippi, and he may be coming back. And you know what? I think it's, I think it's still possible at this point. I really, really do. And you look at teams out there that could potentially use Brett Favre or that might take a chance on Brett Favre. You know what I'm saying? And it, and, it, and it still kind of makes sense. Dude, I, 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 if you ask me right now, gun to my head if Brett Favre is going to come back, I would say no. But I would still have I would still have some second thoughts about that. I would still be a little bit worried that one might be in the chamber and one might end up blowing my head off. So, sorry. <laughs> so, I think I think there is an absolute possibility that Brett Favre could make a return next season with a team that uh that's going to give him that's going to be crazy enough to give him that chance. So, I don't know. I guess crazier things in the NFL have happened. Really? Yes. <laughs> Other than that, though, um, we're gonna close out. Uh, we're gonna close out this week's show. Um, Other than, but you do have. Do stay tuned to our website, though, because depending on what happens with the NFL lockout, we may be on next week, next Saturday. 10 a.m. Eastern Time right here on TheMajors.net. So, like I said, stay tuned to our website, TheMajors.net, our Facebook page, Facebook.com slash TheMajorsX or Facebook.com slash TMSNX um, for any updates on that and on our programming schedule for the upcoming weeks in terms of Inside the Huddle. If nothing gets, if nothing happens within this next week, then we'll be back at you on July 23rd for our next edition of Inside the Huddle. So other than that, though, um, have a good rest of the week, everybody. We will see you next time.